Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We're a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into this same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and to reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, who's probably innocent, and what am I going to do? And so he kind of uh, puts things off. He uh, ends the hearing and uh, doesn't make a decision right away, and he's probably thinking, well, you know, I kind of hope this situation cools down a bit, and, and everybody kind of forgets about it, and then I can release Paul quietly at some point. And um, as he's waiting for the situation to cool down, uh, Felix and his wife have a private interview with the Apostle Paul. And, uh, the, and Paul tells them, uh, basically about the gospel, and he's talking about uh, sin and righteousness and, and the coming judgment, and, and Felix becomes afraid. He comes under conviction, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to his heart. And so uh, he breaks off the interview. He says, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you later. He sends Paul back to his prison cell, and uh, for the next two years, Paul sits in prison, waiting for Felix to do something, and uh, Felix keeps waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, after two years of sitting in jail, um, Festus becomes the new governor of Judea. And uh, Felix, you know, he's going out of his job and wants to burnish his resume with some politically powerful people before he leaves. And so he leaves Paul in jail. He says, man, if I let him go now, it's going to make me unpopular, and who knows how that'll affect my next posting. And so I'm just going to leave uh, Paul in jail and uh, let Festus worry about him. And so uh, he's there. And so as we come into chapter 25 then, Festus travels to Jerusalem, and he he hears about Paul for the first time and the accusations against him. Festus has no idea who he is, but the Jewish leaders tell him, you know, he's the worst thing in the world. And, uh, and so what they want him to do is they want him to bring him back from Caesarea to Jerusalem because they want to assassinate him on the way. Now, uh, Festus doesn't know that, but he's just getting ready to go to Caesarea anyway. And so he says, hey, you know, no use having him come to Jerusalem. I'm going to Caesarea. You guys just come with me and we'll have the hearing there. And so they uh, then move from Jerusalem to Caesarea, and uh, they have a hearing there again. And during that hearing, Paul is again accused of many serious things by the Jewish leaders without any evidence to support the accusations, and he again denies the charges. And uh, Festus then asks if Paul is willing to have his trial in Jerusalem. And Paul realizes, the last time I was in Jerusalem, they were trying to arrange to assassinate me there. And so if I go back to Jerusalem, there's a pretty good chance that it's just going to be a setup for an assassination plot. And I don't want that to happen. And so he appeals to Caesar. He's a Roman citizen. Every Roman citizen has the right to appeal to Caesar. And so he does that. And Festus then agreed. He says, okay, we're going to send you to Rome and you will have your case heard before Caesar. And so the Jewish leaders go back to Jerusalem and Paul goes back to jail. And shortly after that, uh, King Agrippa and his wife Bernice come to visit uh, Festus. You know, he's the new governor, so they're coming to welcome him. And, and as they're meeting and talking, Festus says, by the way, I have this guy named Paul that's in jail, and I don't really understand what on earth he's talking about, and I need to write a letter about him to Caesar when I send him to Caesar to have his hearing there. Uh, could you kind of uh, help me figure out what to write about this guy named Paul? 
And uh, Agrippa says, wow, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to hear this guy. And so then in the beginning of chapter 26, they have a hearing before Agrippa. And uh, Paul shares this testimony of how he used to persecute the church. But then as he was heading for Damascus, he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. How he uh, put his faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, He talked about his subsequent ministry, how he bore testimony to Jesus Christ. Um, Talked about his arrest in Jerusalem and what happened there. Uh, Talked a little bit about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he gets to the point of talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Festus says, wow, Paul, you're crazy. But uh, Paul says, you know, Agrippa really knows more about uh, the teachings of the Bible, and he knows about resurrection, and he knows about these things that have been happening. He's heard about Jesus Christ. And uh, so he kind of says, Agrippa, are you ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ? And Agrippa says, you know, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian. And so the hearing ends, and Agrippa comments to Festus that, boy, if this guy hadn't appealed to Caesar, you really could have let him go because this guy is innocent. Um, And uh, then in chapter 27, since he's appealed to Caesar, he gets put on a boat to Rome. And uh, so he starts out in Caesarea, and he sails up the coast, goes by Sidon, And uh, in Myra, in Asia Minor, he switches boats because the boat he's on isn't going all the way to Rome, so he switches to a boat that is. And uh, they leave from Myra, and he's on a sailing ship. You know, we're spoiled nowadays. We have diesel engines and things like that, and we can go against the wind, but he's on a sailing ship. He can't. And so he's trying to get to Rome, but the ship is having uh, unfair winds or not desirable winds. And uh, so they have a hard time, but they're kind of tacking back and forth. And they finally uh, come into Fair Havens right here in Crete. And uh, as they come into harbor in Crete, Paul says to the captain, he says, we really should stay here. Um, It's coming toward winter. You know, the boat has to overwinter somewhere because it's not safe to be out on the Mediterranean Sea in a sailboat in the winter. And uh, there's going to be a storm. And if we leave this place, we're likely to be shipwrecked. And the captain and the centurion say, well, you know, this port really isn't very good because of the way it faces in reference to the winter winds. We'd really rather be here in Phoenix for the winter. And so we're going to try to sail over to Phoenix and spend the winter there. Um, And so they do. And as they leave port, they get hit by a powerful wind that makes it impossible for them to continue to go along the coast to Crete. And so they are driven across the sea, and finally they're shipwrecked off the coast of Malta. And uh, by God's grace, um, God preserves the entire uh, passenger and crew and everybody that was on the boat, brings them all safely to shore there, uh, in spite of the fact that many of them didn't know how to swim and they're in a storm during the winter. Uh, They all get to shore safely. And uh, so they're on shore, uh, shivering in the rain, and uh, they build a fire. And Paul's gathering up sticks to throw on the fire, and a venomous snake comes out of the sticks he's gathering and bites him on the hand. And everybody expects him to die, but by God's grace, he suffers no ill effects at all. And so then the locals are really impressed, and they think, wow, this, he must be some kind of god or something. And um, 
the leading citizen of the area, you know, there's uh, 228 people or something like that. I forget the exact number, but it's a couple hundred plus people that have suddenly come ashore on the island of Malta and, and need to be housed. And the leading citizen of the district then provides them with hospitality. And his dad is really sick. He's got dysentery. And it looks like he's going to die. And Paul heals his dad. And when he does that, then everybody else who knows someone's sick says, this guy can heal. And so they bring uh, their sick people there. And Paul heals a whole bunch of sick people. And uh, they're there on the island of Malta for three months. They overwinter there. And uh, during that time, Paul has many opportunities to preach the gospel. And uh, finally, they get on another ship there, and they go up past Syracuse and Regium and come to Puteoli uh, in Italy. And Paul gets off the boat there, and they start to head up to Rome on foot. And uh, the Roman Christians hear that he's on his way, and so they come out to meet him and escort him back into Rome. And when Paul finally arrives in Rome, he's allowed to stay in a rented house with just one Roman guard there with him uh, to make sure he doesn't run away. And uh, so then he invites the Jews who live in Rome to come and talk to him because he wants to share the gospel with them. And uh, as he does, some of them believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them do not. Paul indicates that uh, many Gentiles would believe in the gospel even though the Jews, by and large, have rejected it. And then he continues to preach the gospel in Rome for another two years from a rented house. And the book of Acts ends with Paul in that rented house preaching the gospel for two years. And so you have an idea of the big picture of what's going on in those chapters, but uh, what does it all mean for us? And um, Acts 24 to 28 is especially interesting because it fulfills three prophecies that are given in Scripture. And the first of these prophecies is in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 to 16. And so if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, and in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16 say, But the Lord said to him, We'll talk in a minute about who him is. Go for he, and we'll talk in a minute about who he is, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And you may remember earlier we talked about how Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus Christ met him there. And... Uh, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And, and he was blinded. And so he was led into Damascus by the hand, and he was there and couldn't see anything. And God said to a Christian in Damascus named Ananias, I want you to go to Paul and heal him. And Ananias says, what are you talking about? This guy is dangerous. I don't want to be anywhere near him. And uh, then the Lord says to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And as we see this prophecy about Paul bearing witness to Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, 
it actually echoes a prophecy that Jesus Christ gave during his earthly ministry. He gave it several different times. It's recorded for us in Matthew 10:18, Mark 13:9, and in Luke chapter 21, verses 12 to 15. And since uh, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts, then they're most closely echoing each other as we're looking at the account in Luke and the account in Acts. And so if you would like to turn in your Bibles to Acts, or rather Luke chapter 21, And in Luke 21, verses 12 through 15, our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. He says, But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Now, we're told that there is a Chinese curse that says, may you come to the attention of those in authority. And, uh, you know, when you first hear it, you think, well, you know, it sounds kind of like a blessing. May you come to the attention of those in authority. May those in authority just know what a wonderful person you are and, and, and want to, uh, you know, help you out and be good to you. But uh, as is often the case in this world, when we come in contact with those in authority, it, it often doesn't work out for our own benefit. Uh, they have a lot of power. They have their own agenda. Their agenda and their power is not necessarily directed uh, in our best interests. A um, couple years ago, there was a new law passed. and Well, more than a couple years ago, but a number of years ago, there was a new law passed. And... Uh, those who were passing the law were trying to say how much this new law was going to help me. And uh, after this new law was passed, it created no end of difficulties for me. And so I finally uh, contacted one of my senators, and I said, please stop helping me. And uh, that's kind of what can happen when we come into contact with those in authority. But what we're facing here is something that's many, many degrees higher than that because I was inconvenienced by those in authority. But this is talking about imprisonment and death at the hands of those who are in authority. And so, verse 12 is talking about coming into the hands of powerful people who intend to do you harm as a result of your witness for Jesus Christ. And verse 13 says, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. And that sounds 
really scary, an occasion for testimony. Um, It's said that the second greatest fear of the average American is death. The first greatest fear of the average American is speaking in public. And uh, when you think about speaking in public before powerful people who hold life and death power over you, that sounds really scary. I mean, even, even if one of us were called before Congress and we were asked to give testimony and share about our faith in Jesus Christ, If you told me, uh, um, Tom, tomorrow you need to go to Washington in order to testify before a Senate subcommittee to tell them about your faith in Jesus Christ, I gotta admit, I'd be really intimidated. It'd be difficult for me not to lay awake all night tonight thinking, wow, what am I gonna say tomorrow when I come before the Senate subcommittee and I tell them about my faith in Jesus Christ? But verses 14 and 15 tell us, when we come into those circumstances, we're not to worry. It says the Lord's going to give us words. It says, therefore, settle it in your heart not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. So don't lay awake all night worrying about what you're going to say at that Senate subcommittee hearing because I'm going to give you the words that you need. And so this prophecy, it it applies to us, but... Paul experienced the applicability of this prophecy in his ministry. He was brought before rulers, and he bore witness to the rulers as he came before them. As Paul was being brought before the rulers, it looked like Paul was on trial, but the reality was really the opposite. It was the rulers who were on trial as Paul was being brought before them. It was their day of reckoning, their day of coming before God and having a decision to make. Am I going to bow my knee to Jesus Christ or am I going to continue to be lost in my sins? And so a number of rulers received the summons from God as he sent the apostle Paul to them. Felix was afraid and he sent Paul away. And Festus said, you're crazy. And King Agrippa said, you've almost, but not quite, persuaded me. And so all of the rulers failed. They all missed their opportunity. They came to the crisis point in their life, their moment of opportunity, and they failed the test. They were weighed in the balance, and they were found wanting. And so we have something in common with the Apostle Paul. Like the Apostle Paul, we are called to be witnesses. And as we witness, we are likely to face opposition. And in the course of that opposition, we may be called to give an account of ourselves to those who are in authority. And when that happens, do not be afraid. You are not the one who is on trial. Your future is secure and nothing those in authority can do can take away your future. You are safe in the hand of Jesus Christ. You are safe in the hand of God the Father. Nothing they can do can take that away from you. But their future 
hangs in the balance. Are they going to be delivered from their sins? Will they receive salvation and new life in Jesus Christ? Or will they continue to walk in unrighteousness, separated from God, without hope and without help in the world? And so, as you come into situations where you're being called into account about your faith in Jesus Christ, look to God for words. Trust in him. Pray. Say, Lord, what do you want me to say? And then say what he gives you. Well, second key prophecy that is fulfilled in Acts chapter 24 to 28, uh, Pastor Jeremy referred to last week in Acts 23. And so if you'll turn to Acts chapter 23 in your Bibles... And the verse that I'm referring to is Acts 23, 11. And it says, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And so Paul is sitting in a prison cell in Jerusalem, There have been two riots where they tried to kill him. Right now, they're working on a plan to assassinate him. And as he sits in the prison cell, Jesus says to him, don't worry about all that. I'm going to take you safely to Rome, and you are going to be a witness for me there. But what's the big deal about Rome? Why is Paul being sent to Rome to be a witness? I mean, there's already Christians in Rome. We talked about, as we were looking at Paul's journey, that you know he lands and he's making his overland journey to Rome, and the Christians in Rome, they come out to meet him, and they escort him in the city. So why is it so important for Paul to be a witness for Jesus Christ in Rome? And it wasn't a surprise when those Christians came out and met Paul. Paul knew there were Christians in Rome. He had already written a letter to them, the book of Romans in the Bible. Uh, was written to Paul before this time when he was in prison in Jerusalem. And so it's no surprise to him that there's Christians in Rome. And so why is God sending Paul to Rome? And the answer is tied to what we've already seen about being a witness before rulers. Caesar, who is the supreme leader of the Roman world, is in Rome. And Paul is being sent to Rome specifically for Caesar's day of reckoning. This is God graciously providing Caesar with an opportunity to put his faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is going to be a crisis point for Caesar Nero. Nero has an opportunity to put his faith in Jesus Christ. And as you know from history, he missed his opportunity as well. And he descended into madness and death because he didn't take advantage of the opportunity that God provided for him. Well, one more 
prophecy that's fulfilled in Acts 24, 28 that I'd like us to look at this morning. And it's all the way back in Acts chapter 1. Please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1, I'd like to read verse 8. Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is the theme verse for the book of Acts, the prophecy that we've seen being fulfilled throughout the book of Acts. And we've seen how the gospel has first broken through ethnic and religious barriers so that it starts out being just for Jews, but uh, God sees that the message extends to Samaritans and he sees that it extends to Gentiles who have converted to Judaism and become proselytes. And he sees that it extends to Gentile God-fearers, those who have not yet quite converted to Judaism, but they know Judaism is true, and they fear the God of the Old Testament. And, and we see that it extends even to plain old pagan Gentiles like us, people who previously had no connection with Judaism, and that we can come to Jesus Christ without first becoming Jews. And so the gospel breaks through ethnic and religious barriers. And the gospel breaks through geographical barriers. It starts out in Jerusalem. And they're all comfortable there, and the Christians want to stay there. But God makes sure the gospel gets spread to Judea and Samaria and to Syria and to Cyprus and to Macedonia and to Greece. And then we see in the passages, the chapters we've looked at today, how it comes to Malta and goes up into Italy and how it comes into Caesar's household. And we know that the gospel was subsequently carried from the Roman Empire. It spread out. It was, went to France and Africa and England and it went to Persia and to India and to Japan and it went to North and South America, and the gospel spread throughout the world. And that process still continues today. And so today, we still have people around us here in the Hollands Zealand area who are lost. They have not yet received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has sent us as witnesses to them. He has commissioned us with the task of being witnesses for him so that those people can receive the gospel too. And beyond those individuals who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have whole people groups in different places of the world that no one in the entire people group knows anything about Jesus Christ. And they're waiting they're waiting for us to send people to them that can cross those ethnic barriers, that can cross those geographical barriers, that can cross those linguistic barriers in order to bring them the good news about Jesus Christ. And I have a short video I'd like to share with you that talks a little bit 
about understanding the remaining mission's task. And so, in a sense, the book of Acts continues today. We are walking in the sandals of the Apostle Paul, and we have the task before us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check out fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.